Hi, thanks for joining us for this message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. We pray that you're blessed by it. If you'd like to know more about Red Church or its ministries, or if you'd like to support us financially, you can find out more by heading to connect.redchurch.org.au. Well, we are week four in our series, David, Shepherd, King. But we're also in a really interesting time here in Melbourne. We are making our way out of restrictions. After 77 days living that way, we are emerging and potentially not living in a lockdown again. I don't know about you, but it's been this tumultuous experience and continues to be. And the sound and the noise and the undercurrent of pressures and opportunities is beginning to rise. And so I thought this week, as I was praying, what to do, what to preach on, how we can continue this journey with David, felt led to actually sit in a psalm. We've looked at the narrative of his life so far, and it's been great to do that. But so much of what we hear from David, what has been offered to us through his words are the Psalms. So today we are going to slow down. Psalms are designed to actually are designed to actually be immersed in, to sit with them. And so I wanted to pause and almost sit before David as he tells us about who God is through the Psalms. Psalms create this intersection of time, space, and matter with God. They're this beautiful moment that doesn't require our mind or our concentration necessarily, but take us to a space to be with God. It's a form of worship. And the beginning of worship is paying attention. It's been said that attention and paying attention leads us to devotion, which is worship. And so let's pay attention today to what God wants to say. These words I'm going to read a couple of times throughout are words that have been said for thousands of years by thousands and hundreds of people. They've brought solace to many souls. They've been declared by courageous soldiers in the trenches of war. They've been clung to in the concrete cells on death row. They've been monotonously voiced in school halls, ceremonially recited in marital celebrations, carefully imprinted on coloured glass, muttered and meditated upon in pews in big cathedrals, gently spoken in the last hours of life, and even prayed upon the lips of our Jesus, Saviour and Lord. And so as we come to this text, let's pause and ask Holy Spirit to bring revelation to these sacred words that reveal who God is. I'm going to just pray now and ask him to lead us. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are revealer, that that is a part of what you love to do. And so I ask for your revelation as we sit in God, your word. May you speak deep to our souls. And I just pray and ask that each of us, as we come to it, would be open to hear what you have to say or even what you just want to draw our attention to. So Holy Spirit, come. Come into our homes, into whatever space we are currently inhabiting. We welcome your presence and we thank you that you dwell with us and make God and Jesus known. Amen. So as I read, I encourage you to come to this text as fresh as possible, without any other ideas or thoughts, as easy as that may or may not be. And just allow them to wash over you. You may close your eyes or you may just sit in stillness. 
The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23. Perhaps something caught your attention as I read, or you noticed or felt something. Hold on to that as we continue to explore this together. As I shared, it's almost like we have the opportunity to sit with David as he speaks about who God is. He wrote this when he was king. He'd lived a lot of his life, had many experiences, highs and lows. And so as he writes these words, there's a lot of richness in there to understand what it means to be in relationship with God. And where does he start? He starts by saying, my shepherd, in verse 1. David knows his place before God. It's as a sheep, dependent on him, looking up to him, confident in his shepherd. He also knows that saying that indicates he has a willingness to be led. Sheep need to be led. But often, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm a bit more like a cow, not to be rude. But we often are used to being driven rather than led, driven by society's stockmen who yell at us, who are constantly demanding our attention and pursuing us with their agendas, their thoughts, their demands, their deadlines, the temptation to overwork, the comparison that constantly come, the expectation of others, the not being enough. We are herded by this document of culture, driven, pushed along. But the invitation David gives us here is to actually be led and be led by the shepherd, not by the noise and the chaos that the society offers. Again, this is about relationship. David starts with my shepherd. And throughout this psalm, there are personal pronouns indicating what it looks like, who God is and who we are. It's basically broken down into three movements, if you'd like. The first one is the invitation to be led. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. This is his leading and his work. The second movement is our action and what we will be doing. I, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel fear no evil. And finally, the third is the declaration of who God is. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. This is about relationship, who God is. He leads us. 
We have an indicator of where we're going to go and what it looks like for us to walk and to choose not to fear. And then reminded that we are designed to declare who God is, to speak that out. Tom Wright, when he was writing about the Psalms, said this, that they become the living words that God speaks to us and in which we in turn can speak back to God. It's a beautiful dance between God and us, David and his shepherd. These words we declare, we receive, we then say back to God. We receive them and we represent them, just as David did. David was a shepherd initially, and he needed to hear these words, to be reminded of who God was. He received them as a shepherd, and then as a king, he represented them. He led in this way as he'd been led by God. We receive and we represent. The same was for Jesus. Jesus was fully human and fully divine. In his humanity, he was led by God the Father. He sought him in prayer. He depended on God for all things. He depended on him to go to the cross, to trust in who God was and that his word was faithful and true, that he would rise again. But also he was fully divine. And he said in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. He represents that. And we too, as followers of Jesus, are designed to receive these words and represent them. In our humanity, we need God. We need the shepherd. This is why David shares it with us. This is what it's like to be in relationship with God. But also we are heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ, as it says in Romans 8, 17. He anoints us for specific roles, specific spheres of influence, as Mark shared last week. We are called to be ambassadors of his kingdom. I heard someone say this week and declare that they belong to God and to the places and the people God has given them. And so as we receive, we also represent this, the shepherd, God, as the one who cares and is present to the places and the people that God has given us. We receive and we represent. Let's jump into the text again. As it's read for a second time, I encourage you to sit still, to allow the words again to wash over you. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows, and surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I just want to remove any pressure to feel like you have to hear something in this. If today it's really just listening to these words, that's totally fine. Maybe an image is coming as you're hearing this, or maybe you're finding yourself within this narrative. Where are you in the story? This is actually a pilgrimage. You can see it throughout the text. It begins in green pastures by still waters, ends up in a dark valley, and then you're sitting at a table with your enemies. 
Do you know what? We spend a lot of our time preoccupied with trying to create the first half, seeking green pastures in whatever way we can. But usually what we consume, what we think those pastures are, are pretty dissatisfying or leave us feeling like there's more. Or maybe we desire those deep, still waters, the tranquil feeling of sitting by a lake. But actually when we get still, it's more like sitting by the ocean. There's chaos and noise and a threat. So we get preoccupied with seeking the first and then avoiding the second half. Who wants to walk through a dark valley? Circumstances before us might feel like there's actually no way out. Or maybe sitting at a table with our enemies. What a weird thought. The idea of sitting with someone who continually has brought you down or wants to destroy or thwart what you're doing, known or unknown, intentionally, unintentionally, to sit at the table with them. I really like that David offers such a realistic perspective of life. This is what's so great about the Psalms. They cry out to the humanity within us and recognize that it isn't all easy and that both are actually a part of what we walk. And David's reminding us here that both will happen. He has lived this too. As we're learning about his life, you are seeing that he did have those moments of stillness and quiet, but he also walked through many valleys in different forms. He sat with his enemies. He sat in the courts with Saul. But he reminds us that this is a part of what it means to follow the shepherd. You'll encounter both. But he's trustworthy. He is the one leading. What we're offered to do is follow, irrelevant of where it may take us, trusting in his lead through green pastures, by still waters, in those valleys. And although the words kind of represent these physical and tangible places, actually what happens in these moments and what happens with the Psalms is something greater. They're not just about comfort for a moment, although they may may bring that, or God may provide or Jesus may provide those tangible things in our lives, but actually what he's really after, what he's really doing is bring spiritual transformation and restoration because that is everlasting. That's what he's up to. And he is the shepherd and he knows how to provide that. So your green pasture is going to look different to mine. And at different times throughout my life, I wanted different things, but he knows that just as much as he knows what it means to walk through a valley and what I will encounter and what you will and who he will be in that moment for us. Where are you in this pilgrimage? Perhaps you are in the valley. You find yourself drawn to verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, maybe that is feeling real right now for you. There are many forms that can take. Charles Spurgeon, when he wrote about this very psalm, said, Death in its substance has been removed, and only the shadow of it remains. The shadow of death cannot destroy us. This is because of what Jesus has done. He has taken away death. The sting of death is no longer there because he died and rose again, and so it can only ever be a shadow. And goodness, we know the enemy loves to cast shadows. It's one of his favorite things. But a shadow has nothing to it. It can be exposed by light. It can be walked through. And who better to do that than Jesus, who has faced death and overcome it? 
who is not afraid of any darkness, who will not leave you there or lose you there. It is only a shadow. So whether that shadow is cast by circumstances, the environment you're in, or even interpersonal, as you sit at those tables with your enemies, remember it is just a shadow and your shepherd remains. But not to avoid it, to trust and walk through it with him. Perhaps you were drawn to one of the last lines, verse 6, that goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Surely your goodness and love. What are you actually feeling followed by right now? As I mentioned at the start, we're in a really interesting time in Melbourne. What's following you? What thoughts are arising? What things are behind you constantly trying to vie for your attention? What are those stockmen yelling at you? The truth is, as a follower of Jesus, as David tells us, as David's reminding us, you are followed by goodness and love. There are so many versions of this psalm, and the words change, but the meaning in the heart is the same. Maybe you're being followed by the lie that's telling you to keep your defenses up. Protect yourself, you don't know what's coming. But in the psalm, God says, I am your faithful protection, goodness and love. Maybe it's that feeling of scarcity. I'm not going to have enough. I don't know what's coming next, but hold on to what I have. Actually, goodness and love is what's following you. Loving provision. Or maybe it's that constant lie of you're not enough. You're not going to be good enough. You don't deserve attention or love or whatever else it is in that sentence. The enemy loves that one. But actually, some of the verses, sorry, some of the versions of this psalm say love and mercy. God is merciful. That's what's following you, not the line of you're not enough. And finally, maybe you're hearing he's eventually going to leave you. You can't depend on God. He'll let you down. No, actually, what's following you is his goodness and faithfulness. These are the truths that David reminds us of and that we need reminding of as we sit in this passage and remember who our shepherd actually is, that he leads and he also follows in truth and in goodness and love. Let's read the text again. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths. For his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Something significant happens when you meditate upon God's word. As you mutter these words over and over again, they begin to embed in your heart and they bring transformation. A lot of those who were from the Old Testament read the scriptures this way, daily muttering and repeating and meditating. 
There's power in doing that. What is consistent in this psalm? As we hear it over and over again, we've talked about the way that it teaches us of who God is, what he does and what we do. We've talked about it as a pilgrimage, walking through from different places. And so in that, we realize that we're not always going to remain in the green pastures or by still waters. We won't always remain in the valley of the shadow of death, and thank goodness, or at the table. What remains the same, consistent throughout this psalm? It's the shepherd. He is the one that remains. It's about relationship. That's what David wants us to take from this. Jesus is our shepherd. He remains present through all of these moments in our lives, irrelevant of what will come. And what does he ask of us? What does Jesus ask of us? First and foremost, worship. Acknowledging him as your shepherd. When asked by Pharisees and teachers of the law, what is the greatest commandment? What did he say? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That is the greatest commandment. That is the first thing he asks of us, our worship, our love of him. And what better response when that is the primary blessing of this psalm, of who God is, his presence. That's what we actually crave, not just the green pastures or still waters, not just an abundant feast, not just his love and goodness, but all of who he is. That's the blessing. And that, how do we respond? How else could we respond but in worship? He is deserving of our worship. And where does it begin? With our attention. What has God, what has Jesus, what has Holy Spirit brought to your attention? Because remember, our attention leads us to devotion and devotion leads us to worship. This psalm is built intentionally that way. We begin with the shepherd. We are taken on that journey. And where do we end? That last line, it says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When you're in the house of the Lord, what are you doing? Worship. What else would you be doing? You're spending time with God in adoration. And this is one of the biggest things that David models to us. Throughout his life, he was a man who worshipped. In the wilderness, when he was hanging out with the sheep, he was worshipping. When he was in the courts, with Saul, he was worshipping. When he was in the caves, hiding from him, he was still worshipping. And even as he is king, we see that. When he brings the ark back into Jerusalem, he makes his way in front of it. And what is he doing? Dancing and worshipping. But you know what's significant about that passage? It's in 2 Samuel 6. Is that he strips himself of all his identity, of all his clothes that mark him as a king, and he comes before God completely vulnerable, just as he was when he was in the wilderness. His worship takes him to a place, this space between just him and his shepherd, irrelevant of what's happening, where he is, caves, courts, in his kingdom or in the wilderness. It's the same. He creates that space, that vulnerability before God, and that's what he models and that's what he encourages us to do. That's what it looks like to be in relationship with the shepherd. As I said earlier, Tom Wright's words, that these psalms, they become the living words that God speaks to us and in which we in turn can speak back to God. We are designed to receive them and represent them, to speak them out as David did in all settings. So as we finish, I want to ask you,
What has the shepherd brought to your attention? Because that's the best place, best place to start. Let that lead you into devotion. And as you do, you'll encounter the joy of his presence, irrelevant of where you are or what is to come. Let that be the greatest blessing in this time as we head out into what we don't know will come. But we are confident that we can receive and represent these words and be like David, create those spaces of worship wherever we are, vulnerable before God.